You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. The theme of this entire book, it is a purpose with a promise. God was giving to Israel the promise that he had, that he had promised them many uh, years before. As he promised it to Abraham that they would have a land uh, to themselves, a land where he would place them. But more than that, this promise in this passage is that as they pursue that purpose to receive the land that he had given them, that he promised them, that there was a new promise, a promise that was kind of renewed in them that he would always be with them. And his promise is with us as well. That God will always be with us as we pursue His mission in our lives. Amen? And that is good news this morning. And so no matter how daunting the task may seem, no matter how many things may seem like they're stacked up against you, the God of heaven is fighting for us and goes before us in His empowering, leading presence, as we looked at last week, that symbol of the Ark of the Covenant. But as they approach the Jordan River and as they, they go across the Jordan River, as we'll read this morning, there is a moment of pause for them. And it reminds us as they get to the other side of that Jordan River that it is incredibly important that we pause to celebrate what God has done in our lives. And God has, in fact, been faithful, as we have sung about this morning And we have reason to celebrate Him in worship this morning and every day of our lives. So what gave reason for the Israelites to pause there on the other side of the Jordan and to celebrate what God was doing in their life? If you found your place, I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. And we will read Joshua chapter 4. And really, the chapter division is best place after verse 1 of chapter 5. So we'll include that as a part of the story um, as we read this morning. So Joshua chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in the time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? 
Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them with them, carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua and the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the, that the, ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared, prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua, therefore, commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took from out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on the dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord God did to the Red Sea, which He dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So it was. When all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Lord, I pray that we would never forget your faithfulness. Your word says that great are you and great things have you done for us. And so we this morning declare that you are a great God who has done great things for your people. But God, we confess that we are so prone 
to forget those things. Oh, we may, we may remember that you did them, but they do not capture our hearts like they once did. And so I pray that you would stir in us again this morning over the things that you've done in our lives. And may you receive glory and honor, dominion and power forevermore. Lord, there are some here this morning that have never trusted Jesus like Rusty has. That have never trusted Jesus like many others in this room have. And so there is no thing in their life that they can say great things has God done because they do not know Him. And so today I pray for them that You would open their hearts to the Gospel. Lord, that You would arrest their heart this morning and that they would trust in Christ for salvation. Lord, I pray that You do it by Your power, for Your glory, by Your great grace. We'll trust You in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. And so, how many of you remember about 17 years ago now, I can't believe it's been that long, almost 17 years, where you were on September 11th, 2001? Anybody remember that? Yeah. I was still in high school. uh, And uh, I remember... um, all of the classrooms just stopping. That was like the greatest day of my life at the beginning, right? Uh, because class was over at that point. We just, you know, everybody's going down to the library to see what's going on. That's where we went, small school, and we could fit the whole school in the library. I know that sounds crazy for you to attend Walton High, but we could. And so anyway, um, we go down to the library, the TV is on, and we all look in just shock and amazement. Because an airplane had just flown into one of the landmark buildings in our nation. And I don't think that any of us will ever forget that day in our lifetimes. As a matter of fact, there is a slogan, and you've heard it. We will remember, right? And we remember where we were that day. We have a a way of memorializing things in our lives, don't we? And not forgetting them. Uh, Abby is uh, one of our children who do that. Uh, The others kind of forget things real quickly. But Abby has a habit of keeping things in her bedroom. And they are everywhere. And little little trinkets and, and, and memorabilia of things that she's done or things that she's made. And they just never go away. That's part of our nature. We, we remember things and we make memorials. Uh, some of us, most of us in the room, but uh, not all of us, wear uh, wedding bands on our hand. And we'll remember the day that we were married. And we remember that day and we cherish it. And those are good memories. Uh, A lot of us will pull out our cell phones. How many of you pulled out a a cell phone recently or pulled up Facebook and showed off a picture of your children or your grandchildren or maybe a photo album, right? Uh, But we show them off. We, We want to remember them. We take pictures of moments in our life that we never want to forget. Then there's other things in our lives that we do want to forget, like 9-11. I was able to go to the Holocaust Museum in Israel when we were there a couple of months ago. And walking in, there was the very first, um, the very first exhibit that we went to was a dark room 
with four candles lit in the middle of the room. And some of you historians are going to automatically begin to correct my numbers, but just humor me for a moment. Four candles lit out in the middle of the room, and the room was, was covered in mirrors all the way around. And those candle flames were reflected. And if I remember the number right, those candle flames were, were reflected to give over six million flames that you could see. If you could count them, six million different flames. And as you walk into the building, there is a lady that is announcing about every five to ten seconds, name, age, country. Name, age, country. And all of those names that she announces are under the age of 18 years old. All of the children that were, that were murdered during the Holocaust. And their outfits are there. Their, their clothes that they were wearing are still there. There's piles of shoes where they found them in these concentration camps. And one of the most graphic displays in the history of the world. All of us would like to forget, and yet it is etched in our minds. We tend to memorialize things in our lives. And so let me ask you a question this morning. What are the spiritual memorials in your life? What are those moments that are landmark moments for you as you've been following Jesus? Have those moments been etched in your mind? Things that you will never forget. Moments that have radically and dramatically changed the rest of your life. Do you have those moments? You see, what we learn from Joshua chapter 4 is that we memorialize what we want to remember and we always remember what we memorialize. We memorialize what we want to remember and we remember what we memorialize. We see it right here in the text. Joshua set up these 12 stones in verse 9 in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant and they are there to this day. He said before that they are to be in verse 7 a memorial to the children of Israel forever. You see, we memorialize what we want to remember and we want to remember or we will remember what we ultimately memorialize. The text has some very interesting things as we begin to walk through this passage to help us understand our walk through Joshua. There is kind of this launching of projectiles and a trajectory that is formed as you read each progressive chapter. So, for example... Chapter 3 and verse 7, there is a promise that God would exalt Joshua. We get here in chapter 4 and verse 14, and it says that God, in fact, is now this day exalting Joshua. Chapter 3 and verse 12, we're told that they were to select 12 men. We'll come back to that. But verse 13, he talks about the waters that are going to be spread. Chapter 3 and verse 16, that is fulfilled. Chapter 3, verse 17 All the people were going to cross over, every one of them, every tribe. Chapter 4 and verse 1 begins that every person, until every person had crossed over the Jordan. But chapter 3 gave us a projectile that we had not seen land yet. In fact, it was not explained that much. Verse 12 says, Now therefore take 
for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And then he stops. We never hear another word about it in chapter 3. It's not mentioned again. The story is completed in chapter 3 and we move on. But the projectile lands in chapter 4 and we see these 12 men surface again and their role. They actually crossed the Jordan and their role was to go and take, select, 12 stones and to take them to the other side and to create a monument that God, in fact, had fulfilled His promises. Twelve men, twelve stones, representing the entire nation that had crossed over into the land of Israel. The same pattern here, stones, there's, there's instructions, there's a crossing, and then the stones are placed. The same pattern we see throughout the rest of the book. Instructions, obedience, and then, uh, once again, those instructions reminding them of what had taken place. Twelve tribes, one man for every tribe. This is kind of reminiscent of uh, Exodus chapter 24. Whenever Moses put up twelve stone pillars to remind the people of God's covenant making with them. God was doing something here. He was fulfilling a promise, a covenant that He had made with the people. And they took them from the midst of the Jordan. Remember that the Ark of the Covenant was there resting on the bed of the Jordan River and there to take these stones from the Jordan River where the presence of God was. And then on the other side, they are to leave them there. The word that says to leave them there is literally to cause them to rest. I think that that's a picture pointing to what God is doing That He has brought the children of Israel to the land and He has caused them to rest. All of the people of Israel. And then we get to verse 9 and it kind of helps us a little bit more. Joshua says that he set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. Now there's two possibilities there. It's possible that not only was there a memorial set up on the other side of the Jordan, but there was a memorial in the middle of the Jordan. And we know that it was an area that had very little water, and so there would be a dry season and a wet season. And it's possible that those stones, as they were set up there, that the water would subside. And that's why they see them there to this day. As soon as that water began to to come down, that they saw the, the stones there. That is certainly one possibility. But I think one uh, more likely what is taking place is that Joshua has gathered some stones. We kind of see this story going in and out of giving us flashbacks and and forward looking. Joshua has gathered stones and he's placed them there at the place where the Ark of the Covenant is. And each one of those men, you think about it, as they cross tribe after tribe after tribe, we're told that all of the people, they want to tell us, he, he really wants us to know that, that all of the people made it as they cross tribe after tribe and they get there and they pick up that stone, that each of these men looking around them, making sure that all of their tribe had crossed before they went to the other side and placed the stone. So a reminder that God is systematically over and over keeping His promises and He, he does it all the way. Our God is faithful. He does not fail in one little sliver of His promises. So they set up the memorial. They place it there. This isn't a memorial of what they could do. It's a memorial of what God had done. 
It was clearly pointing again and again that this was not just a simple memory of something cool that had happened in the past. This was a worship moment, a a moment where they were celebrating what God had done in their lives. A clear memorial pointing to the activity of God. You see, we memorialize what we want to remember and we remember what we memorialize. So what have you memorialized in your life? What are the moments of spiritual memorial in your life? What do we memorialize together as a church? What do we celebrate that God has in fact done among us? In just a couple of weeks we'll celebrate homecoming and we'll celebrate just what God has done here over the course of almost 75 years of ministry. And yet, with every new season of life, every proverbial crossing of Jordans in our life, God does something new and we must pause to celebrate what God is doing in our life. So I ask you, what are you celebrating today? What are you celebrating that God is doing in your life? Last week, we talked about the presence of God empowering us. And one of the things that we saw at the very end of the chapter, chapter 3, is that we must have continual remembrance. And here again in this chapter, we're reminded of the Red Sea again. And oh, how prone we are, church, hear me. Oh, how prone we are to forget what God has done in our life. So we must remember, memorialize. Now notice that I did not say, and nor does the text teach us, to idolize those memorials. They were not to be an altar. They were to simply be a pile of stones to remember. The memorials themselves throughout Scriptures, you think about it, rainbows, uh, altars, stones, those things that they placed as a memorial were never themselves to be worshipped. And that got them in trouble quite often, didn't it? They began to worship things like a golden calf. Even into the New Testament, we see their worship of of the the temple and the sacrificial system and all of those things. So much so that they miss the Messiah. And we are also prone to get in trouble in this area as well, aren't we? Where we take what has been a good memory in our life and we make it a God. When the memorial gets placed above the memory. Now how do you know when you've place the memorial above the memory. We know, we know because we reject God doing, listen to me now, we reject God doing something new because we're too stuck in the memory that He did in the past. You hear me? And it's dangerous. When we make the memorial an idol, they place the memorial And the memorial had a specific purpose, really three purposes that we see in the text. So let me remind you, we memorialize what we want to remember and we remember what we memorialize. So what is the specific function of this memorial in the text? There are three of them. The first function is memorials remind us what God has done for us. The memorials remind us what God has done for us. Verse 3, And command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, 
out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. It's going to be there where you can see it and you will remember. Think about after you have you are the children of Israel. You didn't really experience as much the crossing of the Red Sea. This is a brand new generation. And just like you had always heard that God stopped up the water on both sides. Now God has done for you what he's done in generations past. And so it is a memorial for you right now. You think about it. You're going to bed that night and you just can't believe what you saw that day. <laughs> you just can't believe what you saw God do. And here is this memorial to remember. How many of you have ever had just a really incredible day and you lay your head down on your pillow at night and you just think about, man, I can't believe that happened today. You're still kind of in awe that that took place. You know? And so they're looking at this memorial, being reminded of what God has done in their life. Sure. But it is not past-oriented. It is future-oriented. Look at verse 7. The latter half of verse 7. And these memorials shall be a memorial to the children of Israel. All of you. They shall be a a memorial to you forever, future oriented. Jump down to verse 23 at the very end. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. And as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. This was a memorial of what God had done in their life. And there is a real need for us to be reminded again and again what God has done in our lives. It's a memorial for you. So what is it that you are celebrating? What has God done in your life? Psalm 126, when the Lord brought the book of the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Has the Lord done great things for you this morning? Are you glad? Is it something that stirs your heart to rejoicing? Is it something that stirs your heart to want to write it down and to want to remember it? Because our God has done great things in my life. It's a memorial of what God has done in our, in our lives. How quickly we become complacent and forget. This people, even when they got into the wilderness, they turned... And wanted to go back. They'd been released from from Egypt. Why? Because they got out in the wilderness and they got a little bit of hunger pain. And they thought it'd be better to go back to the captivity and slavery which they had before. And totally looked over what God had done to bring them to where they were. Oh, how prone we are to forget. So may we be reminded of what God has done for us. Number two. The second function Memorials teach others what God will do for them. Memorials teach others what God will do for them. And oh, this is so convicting. Follow this with me. Verse 6. That this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come saying, What do these stones mean to you? Oh, listen. They didn't ask, what do these stones mean? Our children, parents and grandparents, are not asking, what do these stones mean? You know why? Because they can find it on Google or Wikipedia. 
People today are not interested in what things mean. They are interested in what they mean to us. They don't want to see cold, complacent, in a box theology. They want to see theology that is lived out and that is warm and that has shoe tread marks on it. They want to know what it looks like lived out every single day. In fact, that is the call of Christianity. You think about James, it is not faith only, but works also. And so I just, I just ask you this question. Is your life and what God has done in your life, have you memorialized it? And is it so visible that when your children or anyone else for that matter sees your life, they got to go, what do those stones mean to you? What does that moment mean to you in your life? Church, I've I got to wonder. I've got to wonder if the things that God has done in our life, we've kind of put in a box and on a shelf for no one to see. They're not visible. And so, so no one's asking us. Isn't this the call of Matthew 5? Let your good works so shine before men that they see them and they glorify your Father in heaven. When's the last time your children asked you about your relationship with Jesus Christ? When's the last time that your children asked you what was so different about you? What has God done for you? I want to live my life as a dad. I want to live my life as a husband. That my home is that kind of a place where my kids go, Daddy, why, why do you love Jesus so much? And church, that is so convicting for me. Because I fall short of that so often. And we, we are all there in the same, the same group together. But what if? What if the memorials in my life are a teaching moment for my children? And not just my children, but all of those who look on. It goes on to teach the same thing in verse 21. You see it? And then he spoke to the children of Israel, when your children asked their fathers in time to come, saying, what are these stones? In verse 24, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. This is all people. That people would see from your life that God is doing something great. They teach others what God will do for them. The third function not only do they remind us and teach others, the third, third function is they convict the world of what God can do in spite of them. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that our God is not limited by the world that He created. Amen? Because uh, the world we live in is a mess. Notice in verse 24, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. Amen? That you may fear the Lord your God. So it was all the kings of the Amorites... And all the kings of the Canaanites, they heard the Lord had dried up the waters. What does it say about them? Their heart was melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. When the people around us, closest to our lives, see the power of God at work in our lives, and there is a memorial in my life to the power of God at work, it changes the way the world sees us, and it ultimately impacts the way the world sees God. They are convicted, melted, not by what we've done, but because they see very clearly, very obviously, in a visible way, what God has done in our life and in others' lives. 
So they're convicted. The world around us is convicted. We are reminded. And others are taught. So what does that mean for us? We memorialize what we want to remember. And we remember what we memorialize. I want to give you just real quickly, I want to, I want to try to bring some right here and right now to this, if I can. What are some things potentially that we would memorialize in our life as followers of Jesus? What, is the, what are the stones for us? And I want to just suggest to you six of them very quickly this morning. The cross as our memorial. You want to know what we memorialize as believers? It is the cross of Jesus Christ. We come again and again to the Lord's table and Jesus said what words? This do in remembrance of me. The cross of Jesus Christ is the life-changing moment for all of us when Jesus died for our sins and for the sins of the world. You and I have, have, have the opportunity to know God. We, we are brought into rest, not by stones, not by an ark, but by a cross. We have peace with God through the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. That is a memorial in the life of the Christian. Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you. This is the church at Corinth. Nothing among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why? Because our lives begin and end at the cross of Christ. We have been saved by His grace at the cross. We have been crucified to live by His grace at the cross. Our lives are found at the cross and flow out of the cross. It is our memorial. May we never forget and become so pious and prideful to think that we somehow deserve what God has done in our life were it not for His grace. The cross reminds us of who God is, who we are, and who we must be in Him. May we never leave the foot of the cross. And so our memorial to the cross is the Lord's Supper. Secondly, the resurrection as our memorial. Praise God, Jesus isn't still on the cross. Amen? I didn't go to Israel last couple of months ago to look for Jesus on a cross. In fact, I didn't even look for him in a tomb. It is a reminder that Jesus is no longer there, but he is alive. Amen. And that he's returning again. People throughout history have gone to try to take pieces of the tomb and take it home with them as a memorial. But we memorialize the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is alive. It's a memorial. It ought to be a landmark for you. And so each year we celebrate Easter. Every Sunday, every week we celebrate worship. We gather together on the Lord's day because it was the day that He arose. That never happened until Jesus came. It is a memorial we've been doing for 2,000 years. It matters. Third, personal, con- personal conversion as our memorial. Personal conversion as our memorial. Some of you this morning, if you'd turn to the front of your Bibles, you'd have a date marked where you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want you to listen to me very carefully this morning. The cross by itself is not your memorial. 
and the tomb, the resurrection of Jesus, listen to me, is not your memorial until you've been personally converted to Christ. And your new birth becomes your memorial to what God has done in your life. Jesus' death and resurrection does not get automatically applied to anyone. We must receive the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ by faith. And that is a personal decision that every single person, man, woman, boy, girl, rusty this morning, every single one of us must make that decision. But that is a moment. Some of you don't know the date. Some of you just kind of remember when it happened. You remember the experience. But there's a moment when you remember that Christ came into your life and He changed you. You were born again and you were saved. Friend, I want to to tell you, if that memorial doesn't exist on the shore of your Jordan, listen to me. If that memorial does not exist on the shore of your Jordan, you do not know Christ. And you've not been saved. And today, you have a decision to make. Today, you've got to trust Jesus by faith. You've got to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. In that moment, the cross and the resurrection of Christ become a great memorial in your life. The day that you trust in Christ. Number four, what about those God moments in your life? I'm talking to believers now. What about those God moments in your life when God just did amazing things? Some of you would say, I've got some of those times. You know, I just didn't know how I was going to pay that bill and God helped me. I just didn't know how I was going to make it through that moment and God helped me. God saved my children. God saved my family. God did an amazing thing in my life. I just don't know how to explain it to you, but God did it and that's when it happened. There there it is. Those God moments in our life. You ought to write those things down. Write them down in your Bible. Write them down in a notebook. Create Facebook events. I don't know. But some way, memorialize them. Because they are a reminder to you not to to dwell there, but a reminder to you that God is still working in your life and He's doing things now. Mark them down. Number five, significant trials as our memorial. How do we see those? How do we memorialize significant trials in our life? We've got scars. Don't we? You got scars in your life. Some of them may be physical. Some of them may be emotional. Some of them may be spiritual. May have been the discipline of God in your life. But all of us have been through those moments of trial and we got through to the other side and we say, look what God did. Those moments whenever we mark as a memorial that God is still with us and those scars that always remind us of what He did in those moments of our life. And then we also ought to remember number six, and not only in our own individual lives, but our lives together, divine purpose as our memorial. In other words, mission. Mission. You say, Pastor, why do we have four banners on the platform? And some of you probably don't even at this point completely know what it all means. We're working on that. We're learning on that together. That's okay. We're in process. The reason why we put these things on the platform is a memorial. Deuteronomy 6 is a similar memorial, isn't it? To write the Word of God 
on the frontals of our foreheads, on the doorposts, so that we would be reminded, teach it to your children when you rise and when you lie down. It's something that we ought to, we ought to always have before us. You ought to never lose sight of your purpose. Israel there on the side of the Jordan placed those stones, but don't miss it. They soon left those stones to go into the promised land that God had provided. May we never forget the purpose of our lives. God has not called you to remain where you are. God has called you to be faithful where you are in the moment so that He might use you as you move forward with Him in the kingdom. These are memorials. So I ask the question again. What memorials? Listen to me. What memorials, spiritually, could you mark down in your life? Some of you can't write down anything. And it's because you don't, you've never come to that place to trust in Christ. Today you need to do that. The Spirit of God is convicting your heart. You need to respond and trust Him by faith today. That's God speaking to your heart this morning. You don't need to ignore that voice. This could be the greatest memorial of your life. The day that you trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Others of you, you got saved and you've done nothing for the kingdom. And I would just encourage you, believer, that you fall on your face before the Lord today. And you ask Him, God, show me what you want to do with my life. I want to do that today if you just show it to me. Others of you, like Rusty, you may have trusted Jesus, but you've never been baptized. This morning you need to come and say, Jesus, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow you in baptism this very day. I'm going to do exactly what you've called me to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell the world that I'm a Christian. And there's going to be stones in my life that when my children look at my life, they're going to go, tell me what those stones mean to you. So what do they mean to you? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you this morning in just a few moments as we have a time of invitation. We're going to stand and we're going to sing, but you need to be, you need to be spending time with the Lord. You need to be before Him this morning. You need to be talking with God this morning. He's listening and He's ready for you to respond. And as we sing in just a few moments, when we stand to sing, you need to step out of where you're at. You need to trust in Christ this morning. You need to come. As soon as we begin to sing, right as this invitation begins, Jesus paid it all. You need to come. Paid it all for you. You need to trust Him this morning. Others of you this morning, you've never been baptized, and you need to come. You need to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you this morning, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be baptized. Others of you, you say, Lord, I want to know your purpose for my life. You come and you pray. Whatever the case is, you come this morning. All across the room as we stand, I'm going to pray and then Lisa's going to sing and you come. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts this morning. Thank you that Jesus paid it all for us. And I pray that we would be faithful to obey you this morning as you've called us in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening.
and may you continue to worship, connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.